Epiphany Sunday, the end of Christmas, so we'll, uh, we'll be undecorating soon uh, here and, and in our homes, but uh, we're still kind of in the Christmas story. So I want to stay there for one more Sunday. Uh, we are celebrating the Magi the, this morning, and, and so we sing uh, some, some Magi kind of songs, uh, but I want, to, uh, I want to spend some time thinking through what exactly the Magi are doing when they visit Jesus, when, when they come, when they travel across the desert and they come to visit Jesus, what actually are they up to? What, what are they doing? Why does it even matter? Like, why are we still talking about these dudes 2,000 years later uh, when they showed up years late to the party and they brought some gifts that no kid could ever use? Like, like they seem a little bit like, who cares about the Magi? And yet, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about these guys. Uh, so why? That these guys that showed up late and brought useless gifts. Why? why? So, uh, so I want to work our way through the lectionary passages this morning. I, I find them to be a helpful guide for us uh, in kind of thinking through what are the Magi up to? What are the wise men up to? And why are they still important? All right, so uh, we'll start in Matthew. Uh, you might want, uh, Mac's pretty good, he'll probably have it up on the screen, but if you want to follow along in your pew Bible, uh, that would be okay as well. We'll start in Matthew with, uh, with the, Ma- the Magi passage. So this is Ma- uh, Matthew 2, starting with verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where is the Messiah, uh, where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, uh, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose uh, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Okay, so what are these guys up to? Now, uh, I I think it shows up in a few places here in the text. It's really overt and apparent in verse 2, and then it's subtle throughout the rest of the text. And this is the way I would say it. The magi, the wise men, have come to crown and anoint the new king. What are they doing? They've come to crown and anoint the new king and to initiate the new kingdom. I think, I mean, that's what verse 2 says, right? They ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? They, 
for some reason, somehow, they know that there's a new king, and they have shown up on the scene to crown him. They're essentially saying, where's the kid? Where's this child king? We've come to celebrate, to hail, to honor, to praise, to proclaim our loyalty to the new ruler. We want to find the king, and we want to give him his due praise. Uh, And then at the end of the section, that's exactly what they do. They they kneel down, and they pay homage to a kid, Uh, but a king. They they give him gifts, but not the kind of gifts that you might give to a kid. There's no toys. There's no Legos. There's there's nothing that a kid might enjoy. They give weird gifts, right? Gold, frankincense, and the myrrh, babe. Uh, they give these weird, they give these weird gifts that no kid would want. Jesus doesn't want that in that moment, and yet the gifts that they give are kind of royal. They're kind of kingly gifts, right? There's something different here. There's something strange and terrific and profound. It, it's so extraordinary that it was written in the stars. Right? There's something so profound here that a bunch of astrologers from the east found it written in the stars. There's something so deep. Uh, And the wise men somehow know it. They they aren't even Jews. They're they're foreign astrologers with their head in the stars, but they know that something is up about this person. They can tell that this little guy is different. He's special. And they come to pay their respects and kneel before the king, even if he is a kid. Even if he's a kid. So so, uh, I think that's what they're up to. The Magi have come to crown and anoint the new king and to initiate the new king's kingdom. Now, now that is interesting. But, but the thing about the Epiphany story that I think really gets me curious, that gets me wondering, uh, is thinking about and exploring why this king and his kingdom is, is so different and unique and special. Well, what, what about... All right, so they're anointing this king, but why? Why are they coming out of the blue to anoint this little kid as a king? What, what makes this whole story special? Why uh, is this child and his new commonwealth of goodness worth traveling across the desert in order to visit him and give him some gifts? Uh, because he doesn't even become a real king. Right? There's... There, in the world's eyes, there's really nothing special about Jesus. He, act, he doesn't accomplish much. He feeds a few people. He teaches some people. But everyone deserts him in the end. He, he, uh, he's, he dies at a pretty young age with no power or money or fame. And in fact, he even dies as a criminal. So on the outside, there is nothing special about this guy. Right? Nothing. He doesn't accomplish anything of greatness on the outside. Uh, so obviously this must be a different sort of king and a different sort of kingdom for these folks to travel uh, across the desert, for it to be written in the stars. But how? How is this different? What does what this king look like that makes him different? And what is his kingdom like that sets it apart from the other kingdoms? So what kind of king and kingdom will this be? What, what kind of king is this King Jesus? And what kind of kingdom has he brought when he comes? Uh, I could say a couple things. First, first I want to say kind of a, a message about what it's not, what this kingdom is not. And that comes from this Matthew passage. Uh, I think the first thing that you can say is that King Jesus is the exact opposite of King Herod. What's this king like? Well, he's, he's definitely not like Herod. 
He's different in every way imaginable. And his kingdom, this king, the kingdom of God, this new realm, this new community, this new commonwealth is totally different than Rome in every way imaginable. When, when the Magi tell Herod about this new king, his first response is fear. He's afraid, he's disturbed, he's freaked out of a baby, of a kid. He's, he's paranoid about a kid. And why? Because the kings and the kingdoms of the world are constantly paranoid about losing all they've worked for or been given or taken for themselves, right? We know this to be true. We, we know that the leaders of the world are almost always kind of paranoid. Uh, and they do things that are selfish for themselves, and, and they want to protect this thing that they've, that they've got, uh, whether it's through uh, uh, good means or bad. How it, They've gotten this power, this fame, this wealth, and they need to protect it at all costs. That is the way of king, the kings of the world. They're worried about losing it all, the money, the power, the fame, the authority, all the perks that too often come with worldly leadership. They need to grasp onto that. So when these, these magi come and say, there's a new king. Would you tell him where he is? Of course. Would you tell us where he is? Of course, Herod is fearful. He's paranoid. He's kind of delusional because he's worried about losing everything that he's worked for. And he resorts to the ways of the world, of a worldly king. He resorts to fear and paranoia, lies and deceit and manipulation. And ultimately, we know that Herod resorts to murder, to infanticide to incredible mass violence, all to maintain the power and the wealth and the control of worldly kingship. But King Jesus is different. Jesus isn't like that. The way that he leads is different. He's not interested in power and prestige. He's got no place to call home or a place to lay his head. He gives generously of all that he has. And ultimately... As Paul says in Philippians, although being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He made himself nothing. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is a different sort of leadership. This is a different sort of king. He's not worried about all the things of the world. He's not chasing after those things. And he's certainly not, not lying and, and using de- deception and violence and murder in order to grasp onto those things of the world. He is a different sort of king. That's the kind of king that I want to follow. This is a different, this is a different sort of king that they've come to anoint and to worship. Uh, this, is a, this is a different sort of king. Uh, there's, there's another way of talking about what kind of king uh, Jesus is. And, and that's that uh, he came uh, to be the perfect fulfillment of all that King David could and should have been. He's the perfect fulfillment of what our leaders should be, how they should act, how they should live, uh, how they should care for people, but don't. Uh, And and so, uh, yet, in some ways, what, what Jesus is as king is he's not Herod, but he is also everything that's good and beautiful about what leadership should be. Uh, turn over to Psalm 72, uh, if you're following along. Psalm 72 is, uh, is a psalm from David, a song from David, 
Uh, and he, he writes these things that he wants God to give him as a leader. And it's really quite beautiful. I, I wish all of our leaders, our worldly leaders, would pray this kind of prayer. God, would you give me this kind of leadership? But we also know from David that he doesn't live out these kind of things. But Jesus does. King Jesus does. But I, I do think that this is helpful. This is what Jesus lives out. It's all the things that David was asking for. Psalm 72, look at verse 1. Endow the king, give the king uh, your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. This is a king, a kingdom uh, of fairness and rightness and equality and morality. All the ways in which David fell short, Jesus doesn't. He's fair and he's good and he's right and he's just and he protects the people that need to be protected and he's moral in all the ways that David was immoral and especially all the ways that the leaders of our world are way too often corrupt and immoral. Jesus is not that kind of king. He is, he is right and he's fair and, and he, he promotes equality and he's most certainly moral. This kind of king does the right thing. Verse 2, may, the, may he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. This king cares for all people. Not just some, not just those who will help him get ahead, not just those who gave to his cause and, and supported his campaign, not just those who voted for him, not just the... This king cares for everyone, regardless of party, regardless of, of uh, status, uh, regardless of, of value in the community. This king cares for everyone. No one is too low for his love and his care. Verse 3, may the mountains bring prosperity to the people, the hills, the fruit of righteousness. May he defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. May he crush the oppressor. All can belong and find home in God's kingdom. Uh, Too often people slip through the cracks of the worldly kingdoms. But in God's kingdom, everyone has a place. Everyone belongs. This kingdom benefits all, not just some. This, this is a whole different kind of kingdom. Verse 5, may he endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all the generations. This, this is a kingdom that will last. Herod is paranoid because he knows full well that all kingdoms of the world crumble. Right? He's seen it over and over and over again, and we have too. All great kingdoms eventually come to their demise, including our own here. Right? We, we can't get too comfortable because no kingdom lasts forever except God's kingdom. This is a kingdom that lasts forever. So there's no fear. There's no worry. There's no paranoia. There's no grasping for, for, for power and trying to use our strength to, to just keep power for one last generation. There's none of that in God's kingdom because it, this is an eternal kind of kingdom. This is going to last forever anyway. So we don't have to worry about losing it. It's here forever. And then verse 6. May he be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish and prosperity abound till the moon is no more. This is a place of grace and goodness and blessing where where love and, and abundance just flows down so freely. This is a place where everyone can flourish, where peace and love rule with abundance. This is a whole different kind of kingdom than we're used to, and it's being ruled by a king that is nothing like the kings that we typically see. Uh, This is different, and it's the kind of kingdom that I want to be a part of, and it's the kind of king that I want to follow. Uh, But 
Perhaps what makes this king and this kingdom the most different, the, thing, the, the most unique thing about King Jesus and the kingdom of God, the thing that stands out the most, I think, uh, about this king and this kingdom is that it's not a dictatorship or a fiefdom. Uh, and so that's kind of the final thing I want to say is that uh, Jesus isn't just dictating and ruling with an iron fist from on high, which is the way that we typically think about kings and kingdoms, right? It's the way it, even democracies sometimes can, can be so iron-fisted. Uh, and, and so uh, it, 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 where just a few people rule and reign and everyone else just has to do whatever they say. But this kind of kingdom is different. We aren't just his peasants who do whatever he wants. We aren't just a nameless, faceless cog in God's kingdom machine. Jesus actually wants relationship with us. He actually wants to be with us and to know us. We actually get to fully participate in God's kingdom. Ephesians 3 says that the Gentiles, we who have been brought into God's community through the work of Jesus, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. We inherit this kingdom. We are a part of it. We are in it. We are in this kingdom. We participate. We don't just stand idly by and kind of watch all the, uh, all the things happening in the kingdom and, we, and not get to participate. We get to be a part of it. Uh, we have a relationship with this king, and we have a responsibility to live as faithful citizens of this beautiful new kingdom. We, we, get to, we don't just sit by. We get to participate Jesus actually wants to have relationship with us and wants us to be active participants in the unfolding of his kingdom more and more each and every day. Uh, I love what Pastor Gordon Cosby says. He says that on the ship of the church, there are no passengers. All members are crew. Uh, And I think that applies to the kingdom as well. I think it's the same way. No one sits the bench in God's kingdom. No one sits on the sideline in God's kingdom. Uh, We are all participants. We're all members. We're a part of the crew. Uh, This is such a different kind of king and kingdom, and I love it. I love it so much. And I love celebrating uh, that this morning. So, to kind of recap, as we start to work toward an end here, this might be a good time to go get the kids, maybe. So, uh, the, the Magi have come to crown and anoint the new king, and to initiate the new kingdom. That's what they came to do. They, they, they kneel at the feet of the king. They offer him the gifts that, that a king would receive. Uh, uh, that's, they've come to crown and anoint the new king and initiate the new kingdom. And this king is different and good. He's unique from all other kings. He stands apart from any king that we could ever imagine, from any president, uh, from, from any leader that we could ever imagine, from any CEO we could ever imagine, this leader, this king, stands apart because he is good and he is faithful, he's loving, he's self-sacrificial, and his kingdom stands apart. It is one of beauty and goodness, justice and love, and it's all those things for everyone. And it's a kingdom that we actually get to participate in. We don't just stand by and watch God do his thing, and then we say, good job, you did a great job building your kingdom. He actually wants us to be a part of it and to participate to help create this new kingdom. So, The question is, as we begin 2019, will this be the year that we finally, 
really submit to the king and participate in his kingdom. Uh, If all this is true, that the Magi came to announce this new kingdom uh, and and that Jesus rose and and led this this beautiful new movement uh, and, and that it is there for the taking, it's there for us to participate in, if all that's true, then will this be the year when we actually finally step in with both feet and say, I'm in. You're my king. I'll follow you wherever you take me. I'll listen to you, whatever you say, because uh, I trust you, and you are good, and you are generous, and you are kind, and you are loving and gracious, uh, and I, I'm in. And I, and I want to see even more of that kingdom flourish here in this place. Will we join with the Magi by kneeling at the feet of the new king, offering him our praise and pledging our participation in his new kingdom? The time is now to step in, to jump in. This can be the year where we finally say, you are king and you will rule over me. I'll allow you to do so. Uh, and we do that. We, 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 we kneel at Jesus' feet and we participate in his new kingdom. We do that by actually being like the king. He wants us to actually live like him. He didn't just come to save us uh, uh, from from hell. He came to save us for something. He didn't just save us from something. He saved us for something. He wants us to live well. And so he set the model for us. And and so we participate in his kingdom by actually embodying the ways of the king, by taking on the principles and practices of this new, beautiful, just, peaceful, loving, humble, sacrificial kingdom. We actually want to do what Jesus does and talk the way he talks and care for the people that he cares for. We want to love the way that he loves. So will we be about fairness and rightness and equality and morality as we read in the Psalms? Will we care for all people, especially those low on the totem pole? There are people in your sphere, there are people in your lives that desperately could use you stepping in and being like Jesus in their lives. People who feel neglected, who feel like they haven't been cared for, who who feel like they're not getting a fair shake, and you could step in and care for them in the way that Jesus cares for them. Will we be a presence of grace and goodness and blessing and hospitality? We get sent out into the world each and every day as we wake up, and we have this opportunity to be like Jesus out in the world. Will we be God's presence in the world as we connect with other people because these are the ways of God's kingdom and we get to bring them near. Uh, But ultimately, will we worship King Jesus by emulating King Jesus? Will we neglect the quest for power and prestige? Man, there are days where I just want to be noticed. I want to be liked uh, I, I want to have some power. I want to have some fame. Uh, will, will I humble myself the way that Jesus did and say, I don't need that. As long as your kingdom uh, is advanced in this world, God, that's all I need. Will we be generous in how we give all of what we have? There are days where I want to hoard where I want to hang on to what I have, and I don't want to give generously. Will this be the year where we say, all right, God, you can have it. Direct me with how to use my resources. Help me to steward the things that you have blessed me with. And will we, humbly, uh, will we humble ourselves in service and sacrifice, even to the point of suffering 
for our faith. Ultimately, that's what we know Jesus for, is his humble sacrifice and submission on behalf of others, even to the point of death. And chances are we won't have to go to that point. But will we be, able, will we be willing to humble ourselves even to the point of suffering, even to the point uh, of things not, not going well for us because of our faith as we partner with Jesus in bringing his kingdom here? May this be the year that we finally really submit to King Jesus and participate in bringing God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are our king in a way where uh, no one else we've ever met on this earth could be. Uh, That you are good, you are righteous, uh, you promote equality, you stand up for those who need to be stood up for, you reject uh, the things that need to be rejected, and ultimately you have sacrificed for us. We pray that we would have the the strength, the courage to do that as well. Let this be the year where we jump in with both feet and allow you to guide us, where you will be king, you will be Lord over our lives in a real and profound way, and that we will see your kingdom flourish in this place. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.